this evening, and I'm glad you're here. And those of you that are watching us online, welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Would you stand? And uh, I am uh, going to be following up from last Thursday evening. So Romans chapter 8 and verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The sons of God, and again, this is not gender specific in this context. This is representing what you and I are individually uh, in the context of the kingdom, we are, we are sons. Collectively, we're the bride. Individually, we're, we're the sons. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And then the Passion Translation says it this way, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. They are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for... The privilege of being in your presence again this evening. Thank you for your spirit that has touched hearts, minds, spirits in this place tonight. God, I pray that you would continue to minister now, that you would do that through your word. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to receive what you would say to us tonight. Lord, your word says that you gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the, the perfecting of the saints, to be able to do the work of their ministry. And God, I believe I stand here at the very least tonight as a pastor, so I pray that you would use me tonight to minister to your people, to help us to be better equipped not only in our individual lives, our individual walk with you, but for our purpose, our place in your kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I think there's a couple of ways uh, that I want to try to communicate here at the beginning of, of how I think this verse applies, what it's saying, a couple of different uh, perspectives. I, I think part of what it's saying is, if you are a son of God, you should be being led by the Spirit of God. That, that should be expected. You should expect that. But I think it's also that if you are a son of God then you can expect to be led by the Spirit. If you're a son of God, you should be being led by the Spirit. But if you're a son of God, you should expect to be led by the Spirit. I, 
I hope for some of you, maybe some of you don't need this, but I hope for some of you, by the help of the Lord, one thing that would happen here tonight in part two of this is that we would we would break down some of the uh, uh, um, sensationalism of this. That it, this is not about some spooky, mysterious thing to be led by the Spirit. Are there some sensational ways that the Spirit can lead us? I think so. <laughs> I think there's some things that God can do as a part of how He leads us that are they're, they're, they're kind of mind-blowing. But I'm also of the belief that the majority of the time, the way God leads us is not some sensational way. That as I said last week, I think a lot of times the way we are led by the Spirit is just simply living in the flow of the Spirit. Therefore, I think one of the absolute keys to being led by the Spirit is submission. If you're going to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be submitted to the Spirit. If you're going to be led by God, you've got to be submitted to God. First and foremost, God, you've got to be submitted to God because God is not going to lead someone who is not submitted to Him. The children of Israel, after coming out of Egypt, it's amazing to me that shortly after coming out of Egypt, they started missing where they came from. We had... We had we had meat, we had leeks, we had garlic. Yeah, but you were in slavery. You had terrible taskmasters. But you're thinking about a little bit of pleasure that you had and you want to go you want to go back. <laughs> and so finally, you know that I mean, how amazing is it you're wandering around with several million people and miraculously food falls from heaven. But it didn't take them very long that they started griping and complaining that they wanted more than the manna. And they finally griped and complained enough that God said, okay, you don't want what I have for you? Then I'm going to give you what you want. Except after I give you what you want, you're going to have more of that than you want. The Bible says that they ended up eating so much quail that it came out of, I think, their noses. I don't know if that was a figure of speech or not. Either way, there's some things that few times I've eaten that I thought were really good, but I ate so much of it, I felt like it was coming out my nose. You can, if you're not careful, you can force God into giving you what is not His will for you. And it's a scary, dangerous thing when you press God to the point that what He doesn't want to give you because He knows that it's detrimental to you, that He finally says, okay, you want it, you're not going to give up, I'm going to let you have it. But by the time it's done, you're going to wish you hadn't have gotten it. So if you and I are going to be led by the Spirit, we've got to be submitted to the Spirit. And being led by the Spirit is not just something to do when you are in some kind of an official ministry function. 
Again, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, and, 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 and I, I think more than ever I, ha- I understand what is meant by that, but I think there are, we go through some times and seasons that are a little more intense than others. And let me tell you something, if there's ever been a day you needed to be led by the Spirit, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we're living in that day. I don't consider myself a fearful person and I'm not to have no desire to incite, inspire fear. But I, let me tell you something. The moment you walk out of the door of your house, if you're not having some level of confidence, you're being led by the Spirit, you might want to go back in the house. But that's not too smart either. Last year we had multiple trees falling in our neighborhood on some houses. You never know nowadays. If we've ever needed, just simply for our own personal safety, if we've ever needed to be led by the Spirit, we need to be led by the Spirit now. And thankfully being led by the Spirit is not something for some exclusive group of believers. It's not for the ministers, the the pastors. It's it's not for the, the bishops. It's for everybody. If you are a son of God, and when you are born again, you are a son of God. John says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It's not something you will become or have to work towards. When you are born again, you are now a son. So therefore, the moment you are born again, you should have the expectation that I can be led by the Spirit. Being being led by the Spirit is not a burden to bear. It's a privilege to step into and be able to live in so it's no wonder that Jesus said when they said teach us to pray he said pray this way after this manner after this pattern pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven and I think as believers we ought to take that prayer a step further God, don't let your kingdom just be done in earth as it is in heaven, but let your kingdom be done in my, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done in my family as it is in heaven. But first and foremost, God, I as an individual want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life. As I said a few Sunday mornings ago, the church and the kingdom of God are not synonymous. They are not one and the same. The church is a part of the kingdom, but the kingdom is bigger than the church. And to have a kingdom, you have to have a... Which means there is somebody in charge. There's somebody ruling and reigning. The kingdom has not come today in your life if you did not submit to the authority of the king. There's only one throne in your life and only one can sit on that throne. And even if you decide to let Jesus sit on it, he's not inviting you to sit on his lap on it. In some contexts. You can't have the kingdom come and you can't be led by the Spirit if you're not acknowledging the King of Kings as the ruler of your life. 
I don't recall anywhere in these patterns of prayer where Jesus said, do this every day. He just said, when you pray. I think it's pretty much a given. We accept we need to pray on a daily basis. (laughs) Whether you do that in the morning while the sun still hasn't come up yet, or if you do that at night before you go to bed, you ought to be praying at some point every day. The bottom line is you shouldn't just be praying at some point every day. You ought to be praying all throughout the day, every day. There ought to be communication going on. You know, if there's ever been a day and time in which we could understand having some kind of consistent communication throughout the day with God, it's 2023. Most days I have communication throughout the day with my wife. A lot of times that's by text, but text is not anything same as face-to-face communication. I think it's all right while you're riding down the road in your car to have some conversation with Jesus. I, I think it's all right while you're on the job to have some communication with Him, walking through the store, walking, walking on your daily walk. But I think you also need some FaceTime, one-on-one FaceTime, where He's got your undivided attention. Oh, don't, don't, don't make me stop there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. If I am a son of God that's going to be led by the Spirit of God, I've got to have the kingdom established in my life. I've got to want to have the will of God done in my life. I've got to be pursuing the will of God in my life. I think really a very similar thing, verses that most of you could quote. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think one of the top priorities of your life should be doing the will of God in your life. I taught about it for several weeks, several years ago. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go watch it. But there are some things that I don't need God to speak to me about that are His will. All I need to do is open my Bible and I can find some things that are His will. Yeah, there are things in my life, there's decisions I have to make and choices with direction of my life that that I need the specific will of God in those situations for me. But there's also a lot of other things that it's not hard to find the will of God. You may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. I love the way the Message Bible says these verses. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it Without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The Message Bible says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
case you never heard it before, the Message Bible says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's not really the context of this Lesson, whatever you want to call this tonight, but I'm just going to pause again and say it. I do not understand people that profess to be Christians and especially people that profess to be apostolics trying to figure out how close to the world you can live and get away with. Blows my... Everybody wants to argue about... In essence, they're not saying it this way, but in essence what they're arguing about is... Why can't I live closer to the world than that, Pastor? Why can't we do that? Why can't we? Why do we have to dress this? Why do we have to do that way? Why can't we fit in without thinking about it? Why can't we fit in without thinking about it? I, I got a question for all of you uh, parents of little ones. Of course, all bunch of us here, we don't have little ones anymore, but we can still kind of recall. I, if, if, if this was not a three-foot, whatever it is, drop-off here, if, if that was the Grand Canyon, and you were walking with your kids... I got a question. How close are you going to be walking? Brother Mike McGurk, you got a, you got an energetic one there. How, how, how close would you be walking with Eva if that was the Grand Canyon right there? Like, like yeah, way back. Pat, you can't even get to where it passed the wall, right? Yeah. I remember we, we took the trip out west, 2013 or so, I think it was, 14, somewhere in there, so up 10 years ago, and visited the Grand Canyon. And, and Timothy, and especially Timothy. Finally, my wife's like, I'm, I'm just go, I'm going, I'm going someplace else. Of course, last summer in Hawaii, Ten years from the West vacation. Now, same exact. There, those guardrails at this overlook are there for a reason. And the possibility of a little bit better view is really not worth the risk. You, you wouldn't do it. Bottom line is, Bunch of you with toddlers, you wouldn't even be going to the Grand Canyon anytime soon. That's how much you care, and that's how much you're not going to put yourself in a stressful situation. You understand the drop off is not the Grand Canyon? Hello? The drop-off you and I are dealing with is not the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is nothing compared to the drop-off we're talking about. Because the drop-off we're talking about is a lake of fire. 
Somebody please help me understand why it is I've got to try to convince people, stay away from the edge. I'm not talking about sinners, I'm talking about saints. I just don't understand why we got to live this way. I don't understand why we got to do that, Pastor. Other people don't do that. Then live on the edge if you want to live on the edge. Fit into the culture without thinking about it. Why? 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 I've said it before. I know we got... That guy, that guy that just played the keyboard tonight, he is a great guy. He is a, he is a wonderful guy. I, I don't know if his mom dropped him when he was young, but he's got a couple of brain cells that have been damaged a little bit. Because I've gotten some pictures from him from Yosemite. You know what? I, I'm, I don't mind. I'll sit here. I'll sit here and dangle my feet. Because if I fall, we're good. You get much more than this, I'm not on the edge. Because most of the time, I, I, anybody ever been to Top Golf? Anybody heard of Top Golf? It's, it's more about entertainment than it is really golf. But, but I, 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 uh, for all, for, since I was a kid, I played golf and go to the driving range, and the driving range, that's where you practice for golf. And you got that place up in Severna Park. Most of you have at least seen that. And, and, and at the driving range, you have a mat, and, and you put your ball on there, and you stand there, and you swing. And uh, it's probably about four feet by four feet square, this mat. Do you know I've never one time in my entire life, from the time I was a kid playing golf to now, I've never one time been at the driving range, swung, and fell off the mat never happened it's never happened but the deal is at top golf and no i didn't fall so if you're thinking that's where we're going i didn't fall i don't want to you're going to be very disappointed in my story but at top golf a lot of them have uh, ground level and then several stories and the first time i ever went to top golf i think we were actually only on the first floor up from the ground so guess what? They they don't have these at Severna Park because right there is the grass. But at Top Golf, they've got like a three or four foot net, not for the balls. They sell alcohol there, and so I guess for the first time I ever went to Top Golf, it took me probably ten fifteen minutes to get comfortable enough to swing the golf club without worrying about I have never fallen in my life why would this be the first day that all of a sudden I'm just going to swing and I'm going to fall forward but all I know is there was about a 10-12 foot drop a righteous man may fall right I hear some folks that need to get the Bible out a little bit worried about a few. A righteous man may fall. We're all going to agree on the no, right? A righteous man what? Falls. In fact, it says you're going to fall seven times. And I don't think it's just seven. I think what he's saying is you're going to fall. You will fall. 
Not might, not maybe, you will fall. If Paul says, the things that I shouldn't do, I do, and the things that I... Got mixed up in my own head. The things that I shouldn't do, I do, and the things that I should do, I don't do. So my philosophy is, if that's the cliff, I don't usually, on an average day, I don't fall walking. I'm... But just in case this is the day, if I fall, I want to fall where there's enough space so that I can get back up. You are going to fall. So why live on the edge? Give yourself a little space so when you fall, you can get back up. Don't fit into the culture without thinking about it. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That, that really is not the, the message here tonight. I was going to say I don't know where that came from, but I do know where that came from, the Lord. Cause I'm, we- I'm weary, I'm so weary. It, 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 it's one thing when it's the rest of just nominal Christians, but when we've got people that profess to be apostolics that are constantly trying to argue and debate about why, 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 why can't we? I didn't really remember this we, situation last night. My, my wife was retelling the story of uh, when we got Leo, our dog. And um, I won't tell the whole story, but went up to Pennsylvania there was this, these Amish folks that were selling him. And so, uh, all, well, you have to know some of the story. Some of the story was that Friday morning when they left Annapolis, the head of the household instructed, do not bring a dog home today. Well, it wasn't don't ever bring a dog home. It was just don't bring a dog home today. And the main reason for that was a couple of days later, we were going to general conference, and so it was really not great timing. Um, I was outnumbered three to one that day, and a dog came home, and the rest is history. But so the deal was they got up there and, and, and Leo was seven weeks old. I guess it's supposed to be at least eight, whatever. I don't y'all know that stuff better than I do. And so so we'll, can we go ahead and take him now and I'll write you a check. And the lady's like, Well, I I'd rather have cash, which is understandable. But then my wife said, Listen, man, I promise you it's good. And I think did you say you were, a, she said, I'm a Christian. I promise you, if for some reason this check doesn't go through, I will drive up here with the cash. And you know what the lady's response was? She said, I could tell by the way you're dressed, you're a Christian. Don't, don't fit in. And I know, man, it seems like every time this topic comes up nowadays, well, it's not all about the outside. You are absolutely a thousand percent correct. But just because it's not all about the outside doesn't mean the outside doesn't matter. When, when, when the Lord rebuked the Pharisees, 
he said, you, you pay tithes on mint, anison, and cumin. He said, but you forget all this other stuff. He never told them to forget and stop doing what they were doing. He just said, there's some other stuff you need to get right. All right, that, that's enough of that. So let's get back here. He said, present your bodies in the King James. That word present means this, to present, to bring into one's presence, to show, to offer, to yield, to dedicate, to provide, to send, to prove. Intransitive is to stand by, to be present, to stand, to, to come, to stand before, to stand together. I, I like that part, to stand by. He said, I want you to present your body. So just, just imagine that for a moment. Okay, God, here's my body, and I'm standing. Meaning what? Meaning I'm giving up. Complete control to you. I am presenting myself. I'm taking my hands off. I'm not telling you how to do it, what to do, how to fix me, how to... I'm, here I am, God. I am presenting and I'm standing to the side, giving me to you. And I believe if you and I strive to do that, then you and I can live with the faith and the confidence that I am and I will be led by the Spirit of God. I'm amongst a group of people tonight that I believe that the great majority, if not everyone, definitely the great majority of people in this place tonight, I believe that you believe your life is not supposed to be compartmentalized. Am I right? You, you, don't, you don't view your life as the, you know, your, your natural life, your spiritual life. Your, you, you view it, it's all one, right? Not setting you up, not a trick question, right? We, we, may, we may mess up a few times with our mindsets, but overall we understand, we believe this, this, is, this is not being compartmentalized. It's not just I go to church three times a week and then I go to work and then I have my family and I got all these different compartments. We believe we're trying to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. All of us, everything. So again, please hear me tonight. Being led by the Spirit is not just about ministry. I believe God is interested in Holy Ghost filled people being led by the Spirit on the job. Of course, Brother Wright, led by the Spirit to witness to people. Uh, sure, that, but I'm not, that's not what I meant by that. I mean led by the Spirit that you go into work tomorrow and all of a sudden there's a problem going on on the job. There's an issue you're dealing with. But all of a sudden, you walk up and co-workers and employees that ought to know what to do, they're struggling to figure it out. But all of a sudden, you are a son of God. And therefore, you are led by the Spirit of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king, was, he, he was looking to them because they were knowledgeable and skilled and, and, and there were things that they had the ability to do that everybody else didn't necessarily have the ability to do. Present. So if, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be submitted. You've got to daily, uh, is it Paul, I think, said, I die daily. 
take up your cross. How often do we take up our cross? Daily. So that means daily I am yielding and surrendering and submitting, not because I have to be led by the Spirit, but I get to be. Wait a minute, the one who knows everything that's going on in the world and in my world, and not only what's going on in my world, but he knows what's coming tomorrow and next week and next month. That's the one that wants to lead me. That's the one I can be led by. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So I, I want to talk to you for the remainder here of my time this evening on on. How, how does God lead us? How does God speak to us? I said it to you last week that as I was feeling this for last week and trying to dig into it, I, I don't see, I don't find where there is step one, step two, step three, step four, step five of how God leads us. There's principles. There's a variety of ways. So I want to I, I share with you this evening for a few minutes what I think are some of the primary ways that God speaks or leads us. Job 33 and verse number 14 says this. Job, Job, this is really just kind of a great summary here. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. No, notice that part. God speaks. Don't raise your hand on this one. This is a trick question, basically. Anybody here tonight feel like God? Well, God's just not talking to me. God doesn't talk to me then the Word of God is a lie. God speaks, but you're not perceiving it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed. I've had, I, I can't, I was trying to think of them this afternoon and I can't come up with them, but I literally have multiple times in my ministry, I've preached messages that in those moments of starting to wake up, God just dropped something into my spirit. I think part of the reason for that, because that's one of the moments in which your guard is up the least. You are the most open. You don't, you don't, you don't, you're not resisting, you're not fighting. He says, when in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. Amplified Bible says that this way, For God does reveal His will. He speaks not only once, but more than once, even though men do not regard it, including you, Job. One may hear God's voice in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men when, while slumbering upon the bed. Then He opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, terrifying them with, their, with warnings. And again, the context of this tonight is not all about just terrifying us. God speaking to us really most of the time is not a terrifying, shouldn't be a terrifying thing. The Living Bible says those verses this way, For God speaks again and again in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men as they lie on their beds. He opens their ears in times like that and gives them wisdom and instruction. I'm going to say it again. Not every dream is from God. Every single thing you dream is probably not God. I'm just going to say it again. I dream basically every single night. Literally every single night I dream. 
And literally every single night, God is not speaking to me in my dream. Because the stuff that's happening in my dream is just goofy, crazy, off-the-wall stuff. But he speaks. He does speak. He does use dreams. He does use visions. He may never give you a dream in which He speaks to you. You may never have a vision, but somehow, some way, according to the Word of God and the promises of God, you're being led by the Spirit of God and He's speaking to you. So I'm going to present to you, I think, several of the main ways. I'm not saying these are the ways or the only ways, but I think what you can easily find in some examples, and just about every example I'm about to give you, there are multiple other examples. I just picked a few. What is the most reliable way that we are led by the Spirit? What is the most reliable? I always loved it through the years. It's been a while. I love it through the years when, when my dad would do his, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So I'm probably going to mess it up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be cool like him for a moment here. So, so we know that God is a spirit that says spirit, even if you can't read it. God is a spirit. In fact, we, we know that God is the spirit, which we refer to as... I'm going to have to go pray through over shame tonight if y'all don't stop. <laughs> you know who's dying the worst out of anybody in this room right now? It's my watch. She got her head buried in her hands. What in the world? I don't see the problem here. God is a spirit, and we know that God is the spirit. I preach it Sunday morning. The Holy Ghost is not the third person of the Trinity. I'm afraid to write now, but I'm going to do it anyway. We know that, not the wad, the word. We know the word is God, right? The beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And we skip down in that chapter, and we know that the word did what? The Word became flesh, and that flesh was So if A equals B and B equals C, then that means the Word and the Spirit. So therefore, before I accumulate any more shame, let's get this off the screen. Therefore, the most reliable way to be led by the Spirit is the Word. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For the commandment, 
is a lamp. And the law, all this is talking about the Word of God, the Bible. The law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I said it to you, I've said it now several times, just a couple of months ago, one, one of my morning prayer times. God, I want you to speak to me more. God, I want to hear your voice more. I want you to talk to me more, God. And, and, and he was like, you see that book there right by you? How much more than that do you need? No, but not, you know, that's not, no, God. You're not the Bible. That's not, come on, God. Speak to me, Lord. Peter says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, that you listen, that you follow, that you be led by, as unto a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star shine and the day star arise in your heart. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Part of what he's talking about there is the prophets. They were listening to God speak to them, but, but they didn't have what you and I had, and that's the word to go to. Psalm 119, 24, thy testimonies. Again, this is Psalm 119, almost every verse in Psalm 119, 176 verses. I believe it's less than five verses that don't have some kind of a direct reference to the Word of God. All throughout that chapter, you find precepts, laws, judgments, testimonies, commandments, the Word. Thy testimonies, thy Word also are my delight and my counselors. The Living Bible says it this way, Your laws are both my light and my counselors. Your law is, your word is what shows me the path. It's what guides me. It's what tells me what to do. We said it earlier in the context of the will of God. There's some things that with regards to the will of God you don't need to be praying about. He's already told you in His word what His will is with some things. I believe, I'm, it's, it's the next one on the list. I believe we need, to learn, we need to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. I believe that. I believe we need to develop confidence in, in, in God speaking to us. God speaking to us. But, but let's not discount the significance of being led by the Spirit and therefore being led by the Word of God is being led by the Spirit. When you're trying to figure out what to do in a situation and all of a sudden a verse comes to your mind, you're being led by the Spirit. When God quickens Scripture to your mind, you're being led by the Spirit. That's not, that's not the, the cheap way of being led by the Spirit. That's being led by the Spirit. So the Word of God... The Word of God is one of the most reliable ways for you and I to be led by the Spirit. And the bottom line is this. The voice of God will never tell you to do anything that violates the Word of God. I've heard people supposedly say that God told them to get divorced. He didn't tell you that. I'm talking about without biblical grounds. I'm not talking about that. So hear me. I'm not talking about all. I'm talking about they just kind of were tired of their spouse. 
God, told, God doesn't tell you to do something contrary to His written word. Hello? God will never tell you to do something contrary to His written word. So if you think the voice of the Lord has spoken to you, but it's telling you to do something different than the written word, it's not God. Jesus, the Word manifest in the flesh, when dealing with the devil in the wilderness said, It is written! So, another one of the ways that we are led by the Spirit is by the voice of the Lord speaking to us. Again, there are multiple examples. I'm just going to give you just a few and... I will share these notes on Realm tomorrow if you're interested. If I, I meant to, I meant to check this one more time. There, there is. I believe it's like 105 times in in the in uh, the first couple of books of the Bible, uh, Deuteronomy or Exodus to Leviticus, somewhere in there, where over a hundred is over a hundred times where the Scripture says, "And the Lord spoke to Moses." And the Lord spoke to Moses. Noah, <laughs> Genesis 6.13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through there. Build an ark. He just, he said, no, he spoke to, no dreams, no visions. He just spoke to Noah and instructed him to do one of the craziest things that's ever been done of all in all of history. And you know what's amazing to me also? I only find one time, one time where God spoke to Noah. How sad is it in the day and time we live in, we get a word from God and then what do we do? All right, God, I, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this fleece out. <laughs> okay, God, I know it's a really crazy thing that I wake up this morning and the ground is dry and, and this, this fleece is wet. But let, let's just try this one more time to make sure you didn't mishear me. Oh, okay, God, I know that now today the fleece is dry and the ground's all wet. I know that. But you know, God, God sent Gideon to the camp of the enemy. He's sitting outside of the enemy's camp at night and they're sitting in their tents and one of them's talking about this dream and calls Gideon's name. Finally, an angel behind the wine press, two different fleeces, and finally a dream from the enemy's camp and he finally responds and God simply says to Noah, Noah, I'm going to destroy the entire world. I'm not just going to use you to defeat one single army. I'm going to destroy the entire world. I want you to build this boat. And Noah says, yes, sir. And we have no indicator that God ever confirmed his word again. For 120 years or 100 plus years, Noah acted off of one single word. It's kind of sad how often I, I'll just throw me out there, it's kind of sad how often I, if God... God, just, just, just one more time, please confirm what you're going to do at Antioch Central. Are you kidding me? After I've told you and told you and confirmed, and you still want one more confirmation. Abraham. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and thy kindred, 
from thy father's house unto a land that will show thee. God, God spoke it to him. In Joshua chapter 3, as the children of Israel have spent their time wandering in the wilderness, they're now about to go into the promised land. The Bible says, the Lord said to Joshua. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, Samuel's on his way to anoint David is king, and the Lord says, the Lord speaks to him and says, don't, don't look on the outlook on the heart. Of course, we also know that it was just about, I don't know, 8 to 12 years old, somewhere in there, that Samuel's laying on his bed at night, and he hears his name called, and he gets up and goes into the priest, and you called me, and go back to bed. And three times, finally that third time, he says, if you hear that voice again, you say, speak, Lord, thy servant. Hear it. Some of you have heard this before, but I'll just throw it out there in case you haven't. It's kind of interesting how that the voice of the Lord for Samuel was confused with the voice of the authority in his life. Paul, on the road to Damascus, bright light comes from heaven, but the Lord, he heard a voice, the Lord saying, he responds, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said. But now, now watch this. This is my last part with regards to the Lord leading and speaking to us, leading us by speaking to us. 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, Elijah has just been on Mount Carmel. He's called fire down from heaven. The water, fires come down, licked up the sacrifice, the water, the altar, all of that. Jezebel threatens him. He's now running for his life. He asks God to kill him. He's hiding in a cave, and this is... This is where he's at at this moment. He's hiding in this cave, and, and the Lord speaks to him. Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. All of those exciting, sensational things. Earthquake. There's, there's this... This great dramatic moving, the earthquake, and then there's this great wind, and, and, then, and then this fire. All of these just amazing manifestations. But the Bible says after each one of those things, the Lord was not in them. But after the fire, and notice please the description here of the voice that spoke to Elijah. He's still... Small voice. I wonder if too many times the reason we don't recognize that God is speaking to us is because it is just simply a still, small voice. I'll be honest with you, and there's probably people here, maybe you've got greater confidence than I do, and hopefully I will continue growing and developing. But the more I've learned to hear the voice of God, the more I realize there are times at which I confuse it with my own thoughts. I don't mean that by a, by a lack of recognition. I just mean he's not in my ear. Thus saith the Lord unto you, my son. Just a still, small voice. After the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, the Bible specifically says the Lord was not in it. I think the implication, even though it doesn't say it here, is there's a still, small voice, and the Lord is in it. We got to be careful, folks, when we go chasing all this sensational spiritual stuff. 
You can get on YouTube and see some crazy stuff. Talking about in church, supposed to be in church. Every now and then I somehow end up on stuff and I... Some of it's stuff that it's not all that unfamiliar, but I'm sitting there watching it going, what in the world? And no wonder the world thinks we're crazy. But we get all caught up in all this sensational stuff and we just assume, well, God is in it because it's... It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the... Am I, not, am I saying that there aren't things that God does that are sensational in mind? No, I'm not saying that. But that's not what we judge by. I, I can't get too bogged down here, but, but, but just quickly, some of you have heard this before, but, but uh, 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 Jacob, Isaac, Jacob, right? Yes. Jacob is sent in by his mom to steal the blessing from his father. He comes in and he asks for the blessing. Isaac's eyes are not good. He can't see. And what does he say? calls him over, rubs his arm, and he says, the voice is Jacob, but it feels like Esau. And he chose to go with feeling over the voice. What does Jesus come along and say? My sheep know my feelings. Anybody, this is not a trick question. Anybody like to feel? Anybody want to feel the presence of God from time to time? Absolutely. But he didn't say, my sheep know my feeling. He said, my sheep know my voice. Everything's got to be measured by the voice. And the ultimate voice, the reliable voice, is the written Word of God, not numbers, not crowds, not the size of crowd, not the number of views, not the number of followers on an Instagram or a Facebook or a Twitter or a lot, none of those things. What, what is, how does it line up with the voice, the still, small voice? Two of the other ways that God leads or speaks is by dreams and visions. The prophet Joel prophesied that old men would dream dreams and young men would see visions. Notice this. I think this is Barnes Notes. I messed up on the reference. Your old men shall dream dreams. Have my will represented to them in this way as the others by direct inspiration. Your young men will see visions. They will have true representations of divine things made up made upon their imaginations by the power of God that they shall have us as that they shall have as full an evidence of them as they could have of anything that came to the mind through the medium of the senses. I'll give you a couple of just a couple examples here. Dreams. Genesis twenty eight and twelve and he speaking of Jacob dreamed a 
he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land we're on. You'll you'll notice something in, in the examples I'm giving here with regards to dreams. These aren't the only dreams you find in the Bible, but my point is, in these dreams, it is specifically stated that in the dream, the Lord spoke. They weren't just representations of things. They weren't just symbolism of things. In those dreams, it says the Lord spoke. Solomon, the Lord appears to Solomon and gives him this blank check. In 1 Kings 3, 5, Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give thee. He's, he's, about, to, he's about to become the king, and God says, what do, you, what do you want, Solomon? Anything you want, I'm going to give you. And That's when Solomon prays the prayer, God, I want wisdom. Then God responds and says, you could have asked for anything. You could have asked for riches and wealth and all that, but because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all those other things you could have asked for too. The Lord spoke to him that in a dream. Abimelech, this, was, this is the, uh, the, the uh, king of Gerar, and this is when Abraham lies to him about Sarah. And, and uh, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou, thou art but a dead man. <laughs> For the woman you've taken, she is a man's wife. Now, that's a dream that will get your attention. <laughs> so, say what, Lord? <laughs> Joseph, Joseph dreamed a dream. And Joseph, her husband being, uh, this is Joseph, the uh, husband of Mary, dreamed a dream. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not. Visions. I think the basic idea of kind of a dream versus a vision is vision is more so what can happen in the daytime. You're not necessarily asleep. Belshazzar, the handwriting on the wall, voice of the Lord speaks to him. Barnes Note says this, The apostles also saw waking visions. Peter at Joppa, this is Peter on the rooftop, and sheet descending and the Lord speaking to him in the process of directing him to go to Cornelius' house. And that so frequently that when the angel delivered him, he thought that it was one of his accustomed visions. you hear what he's saying there? What is saying there? Peter... It was so, Peter was so used to God speaking to him in visions that when the angel comes to deliver him from jail, he doesn't even realize he's actually being let out of jail. He just thinks he's having another vision. (laughs) And Paul, after his conversion, calling him to Macedonia, and the Lord appeared unto him in a vision at Corinth, revealing to him the conversions which should be worked there and at Jerusalem, foretelling to him the witness he should bear to him at Rome. In the ship, the angel of the Lord foretold to him his own safety and that God had given him all who sailed with him. Ananias, the Lord gives in a vision, Ananias to go to Paul. And Cornelius also received revelations through visions. But all these were only revelations of single truth or facts. 
of a higher sort seems to be the revelation whereby our Lord revealed to Paul himself and his gospel, which Paul was to preach in the wisdom of God and the glories of the world to come and the conversion of the Gentiles. And when he was caught up to the third heaven, an abundance of revelations were vouchsafed to him. So I'm going to say it again. I don't think every time you have a dream, it's God. But you absolutely better believe God's able to speak to you in your dreams. Another way that God speaks to us by is angels. Abraham, Genesis 22, verse 11, The angel of the Lord called out unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And the Lord said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for I now... For now I know that thou fearest, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And it goes on. Balaam, Numbers 22 and verse 31. Balaam and his donkey and the angel of the Lord speaks to him. Philip in the book of Acts. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, Arise, go towards the south and that way and unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. Why, why do you think in these, these examples God spoke in dreams and God spoke in visions and God spoke by the angel of the Lord? Because I know, because I believe God knew these are people that are going to be responsive when I speak. And then also, we don't like this one quite as much, but I believe this is one of the other ways that we are led by the Spirit, and that is by God using human vessels. Samuel, speaking to Saul, 1 Samuel fifteen sixteen. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto me, Say on. Nathan to David, when... Uh, David was wanting to build the house of the Lord. At first, Nathan said to David, go ahead and do it. But the Lord speaks to Nathan. He goes back to David and says, the Lord came unto me. Again, Nathan to David. This has to do with the time after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband killed. Nathan, the prophet, comes to David, the Lord, God of Israel. He's, he's given me something to say. Jeremiah to the king of Judah, the Lord, thus saith the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah. And so, is it any less God if he uses another vessel to speak to you? Absolutely not. But I must pause for a moment and insert, you better be very cautious what you're going around saying is thus saith the Lord. Man, the damage that's been done by people who just flippantly go around telling people what God says. But he does speak through human vessels. The last thing that I have on my 
list of examples here. I believe God leads us simply by circumstances. If I have prayed for the kingdom of God to be done in my life and the will of God to be done, then I have every right to trust that God is orchestrating my life. We know that Joseph got a dream. We know the dream. He's going to be this great man, this great ruler. How did, how did Joseph get to Egypt? That early morning prayer meeting where the Lord spoke to him, right? Hey, Joseph. Yes, Lord. Joseph, I want you to go to Egypt today. Yes, Lord, I'll go to Egypt. No. He goes out to check on his brothers, and in the process of going out to check on his brothers, they sell him. He is being taken to Egypt completely contrary to his will. But is there anybody that wants to argue with me that the Spirit was leading him to Egypt? How about this one? Hey, David. Yes, Dad. I got some food I want you to run down to your brothers. And while you go down there, I want you to also just find out how they're doing. Same thing. Did David... Early morning prayer that morning, fellowshipping with God. And the Lord says, David, yes, Lord, I'm going to send you to kill Goliath today. Okay, Lord. His circumstances positioned him to defeat Goliath. About the birth of Jesus, the IRS. It was the IRS that God used to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Got to go pay our taxes. Just so happens we got to go pay our taxes in Bethlehem. Yeah, but it just so happens there's a promise of where Messiah is going to come from. He didn't tell him to go there. He didn't speak to him. Thus saith the Isn't it amazing when God speaks, it always has to be perceived. Thus saith the Lord unto you. I'm not trying to be lighthearted. Well, I am trying to be light. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to make. Wasn't the case. The Lord didn't speak to Joseph and say, Joseph, I, I'm t- I want you to take Mary. The IRS says, go pay taxes. And then, I, I, I know I've read this one before, but in my most recent of going through Acts, this one just really, I thought, was kind of neat. Acts twenty three twelve, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And, they were mo- and there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we slay Paul. Now therefore ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we 
or ever he come near and ready to kill him. And while they are meeting there, Paul is in the middle of a prayer meeting and God speaks to him and says, Paul, there's 40 guys that are wanting to kill you. You got to get out of here. No. His nephew. Nephew just happened over here. 40 guys are banding together for Paul to be killed. And his nephew just happens to come and say, Paul, i uh, got some news for you. You better get out of here quick. The same guy that was up in the third heaven with visions. Hello? Same guy. Same guy with the vision of the guy in Macedonia. Same guy. This time, the Lord was leading him, not by speaking to him, not by an angel, but he just happened to have his nephew in the right place at the right time. The bottom line is this. You and I don't get to choose how God leads us. To my knowledge, in... 51 years of life, I have never had a vision. I've heard a lot of people who have. A lot of people that have. It was confirmed that they had visions from. I've never had one. The only time I really have much confidence that God spoke to me in a dream was I was in Brazil right after high school. I don't remember journaling being a big thing back then, but somehow I made a very wise choice and decided I was going to keep a journal while I was there. And I did. And about, I don't know, 10, 12 years later, one day I was sitting in my office. It was in the old building before it had collapsed. And I was sitting in my office one day. I think I was, I'd been youth pastor by that point for several years. And I just happened to notice that journal was in my office. And I, I picked it up and I began to flip through it. And until I read it, I didn't, even, I didn't remember this, but I read it and, and I had a dream that I, for some reason, I decided to write down. And there were three very significant things that I wrote as a part of that dream. And one of them was connected to my wife, who was not my wife at the time. The second one was connected to youth ministry, which while I was in Brazil, I was not youth pastor yet. And the third one was connected to the gross box, which Angie and I in 95 spent several months with them. Pretty sure that one was from God. I didn't even remember it except for the fact I wrote it down. I've tried to be transparent through the years at times my struggle with some of these cool ways that God, and they are, I'm sorry, they are. The bottom line is this, does it really matter which way God chooses to lead or speak to you as long as you know I am being led by the Spirit? And if he wants to show me something in his word and lead me that way, he can do that. 
If he wants to speak to me in that still small voice, he can do that. If he wants to give me a dream or a vision, he can do that. If he wants to use somebody else to minister to me, he can do that. Or if he just wants to position the circumstances of my life in such a way that he's leading me and guiding me. As long as I've got the confidence of knowing I am submitting to the best of my ability, therefore I am expecting the Spirit to lead. I've used others, but I mean, we got, we got this wonderful family sitting over here. Gus started coming to church in 2019, right? About a year before COVID. You know why he came? Because... Because the angel of the Lord appeared to him one night and said, Gus, go to Antioch. He didn't, did he? Okay, I didn't think so. I was about to mess me up. No. No, in fact, it was the Navy that sent Gus to our area. And now here he is, four years later, wife. Two great kids, wonderful family. God's blessed them with a house. I would would imagine that a lot of times throughout that, you weren't necessarily fully aware that God was leading you. No. But He was. So again, does it matter which way God... I'm not saying these are the only ways. They're the primary ways. And again, with all of these, you can find many more examples. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the sons of God have a right to expect to be led by the Spirit of God. And The Bible says this in James 5.17, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. Elias, or Elijah, watch this. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three and a half years. Elijah prayed, and for three and a half years, it didn't rain. But notice again, it says that he was a man subject to like passions. The Living Bible says Elijah was completely human as we are. Message Bible, Elijah, for instance, human, just like us. The Amplified, Elijah was a human being with a nature as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. The Passion Translation, Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. My point to that verse is this. Every example that I've given you tonight, every example I've shown you of the various ways that I believe God leads us, was all examples with people that are human beings just like us, except a good portion of the examples that I gave you tonight, they didn't have something that you and I have. They only had God with them. They didn't have God in them. So my point is this, if all of those ways in which God led and spoke and acted in those examples I've given to you happen for them people, is there a reason why that can't be happening in our lives? I read at the very beginning, the Passion Translation talks about the impulses of the Spirit. Again, I feel like so many times, and maybe this is just me, and tell me and I'll shut up and dismiss, but 
I feel like so many times we expect this voice of God thing to be this really dramatic big thing. Or the leading of the Spirit to be this very dramatic thing. And a lot of times it's just the impulses. My wife said not too long into her issues last year with her neck, I feel like I'm going to get surgery. There was no booming voice from heaven. There was no tongues and interpretation. There was just that. Can I say this to you as I continue wrapping up? The bigger the package, the longer it takes to wrap it. So I really believe that the great majority of you here tonight, the Spirit is leading you way more than you realize. You just got some kind of an idea in your mind of what that's supposed to be. And because it does, I, I want, I'm still holding out hope that one day I'm going to have a vision. I'm still holding out hope that, remember all those angels that used to come to manifest with the big swords up on the, that I would sit year after year? Almost every meet back then, almost every meet meeting, somebody would get up, somebody would come to Bishop, and Bishop would hand them the microphone. I just told Bishop, he told me to tell y'all, there are angels all, they're like eight feet tall, shoulder to shoulder, they've got spears, and they are, don't get me wrong, I believed it. Not being cynical, I believed it. That's the problem, I believed it. Since I believe it, why can't I see it? Never did. I do know, I believe, I do know, I do know how to recognize an angelic presence. I know that, but I've never seen one. So you know what? I may never be able to say that the, the angel of the Lord spoke to me. But does that make me any less led by the Spirit? Does that make you any less led by the Spirit? said it already, we need it just for the simple sake of our own natural personal lives. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be responsive to the Spirit. We, 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 we're not, we've had some of the crazy things that have happened in other places in the world have happened in our backyard. You and I need to develop that discernment, that sensitivity that all it takes is just a pull you're driving down the road and for whatever it doesn't make any sense doesn't make it doesn't there's no reason for it it's not really the way to go but all of a sudden you just feel that impulse that says turn right and you go to work you go home a different way than you'd normally go and you may never know what would have happened if you'd have gone the other way you may not ever understand it Several years ago, I don't, I'm not teaching next week, so I'm borrowing a little bit of my time. Several years ago, we were already living in the house we're in now. I think it was within the first year or so. I was supposed to go to Brazil. Hadn't been to Brazil since I was 19 years old. Had been dying to go back to Brazil, try to see some of the people that I met when I was there doing AIM work in 1990. 89, 1990. 
say our tearful goodbyes. My wife takes me to the airport, drops me off. I walk in. I walk up to the counter. I'm ready to check in. And the, the attendant behind the counter, passport and visa. I knew she did not mean my credit card. I said, visa? Yeah, you need a visa to get into Brazil. I said, I, nobody told me that. And you have to understand, Brother Kevin Howard, who goes to Brazil all the time, was going on that trip. And my dad, in 1993, we went on a trip out west. We have in our box of keepsakes a three-ring binder of the itinerary, departure times, every day of that trip. Not airplane departure, motorhome departures. When my dad plans a trip, he plans a trip. And the fact that in several months' time leading up to that trip, my dad never one time said, you got a visa, right, son? I mean, that's what my dad would know. Never one time said that to me. I walked, jumped on the phone real quick. Angie had already dropped me off. Hey, I, um, you know, all those tears we just said about saying goodbye, we wasted them. I'm, I'm coming with you. I was convinced... First off, I thought for sure one of the airplanes I was going to be on on that trip, I was going to read about in the news that it crashed. I'm not being facetious, I really. And then I thought something else dramatic was going to happen here. I, nothing ever happened. I don't think I'm ever going to know in this life, but I am convinced to this day with everything in me that God was leading me. And for whatever reasons, he orchestrated it that I did not go on that trip. Never spoke to me, no angels, no dreams, no visions, but led by the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, it is a privilege that we have to be able to be led by your Spirit. It is... It is something that you have made available to us that we can expect it, we can live in it. And I pray that you would help us tonight, Father. And Lord, with all of the different ways and even other ways perhaps than what I've shared tonight that you can lead, that you can speak, first and foremost, help us to be submitted and yielded to your Spirit so that we can be led by your Spirit. And then, God, whatever way you choose, whatever methods, whatever means you choose to lead us, even if it's just simply the circumstances of our lives that you are orchestrating, that we can have the assurance of knowing that we are being led by your Spirit. We trust you tonight for that. You've made it available to us, God, and we want to walk in it. We want to live in it. Give us the grace, the strength. Give us the confidence, Lord, to know that you are leading us, that we are being led by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. I, I have a prayer. I pray fairly regularly, and especially when I'm in a situation of needing to make a decision about something, especially a major decision in life. When I've prayed and I feel like I believe i have an idea of what I think the Lord wants me or my family to do. 
I usually follow up that prayer with something like this. God, if you're trying to speak to me and tell me something different than what I think you're telling me, let's just get something straight. I'm not trying to be rebellious. I'm not trying to do my will. I want to do your will. So God, if somehow I am missing it, I am trusting you. I know there are human vessels. I don't usually say it that way, but in the context of tonight, God, I know there are people in my life that know how to hear from you. So if for some reason I'm missing it, God, I'm trusting you to speak to one of them because I want to be led by you. I want to do what you want me to do. Jesus name. God bless you. Look forward to what the Lord has for us throughout this weekend. In Jesus name.